From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. And we're just pleased to welcome in Father Michael Kiernan, our good friend, uh, the chaplain at Beale Air Force Base in residence at the Great Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament downtown. Father, good day to you. Uh, good day to you, uh, Bob, and all your listeners, and I hope uh, everything is going well on this uh, day for you. I'm glad to be with you again and share a little bit of our faith. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, I've we, we kind of joke that... Uh, um, we both go to a lot of events in the Diocese of Sacramento uh, around here. Uh, not all of them diocesan or not all of them necessarily religious or Catholic. And uh, we keep bumping into each other. I think that you actually have perfected by location. Yeah, just started a couple of years ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of fun, yeah, because you meet more people that way and... <laughs> But there's only one Bob Dunning, so the problem is, if I go to the other place, then Bob isn't there. So uh, there's pros and cons to everything in life. Indeed, indeed there are. But, the, you know, it, it is, you know, I was uh, looking through, all, people send us things, can you announce this on the radio, can you announce that on the radio, and we'd love to do it. I was looking through, and there was just a stack of things and I'm going, wow, we need, a, we need like a master calendar so people don't schedule big events on the same day that somebody else is scheduling a big event, you know. But there are only so many weekends in a, in a year or so many, you know. And it's just, it's, I was looking at November 5th, and there's so many things going on on November 5th, including the Life Center's big, uh, Sacramento Life Center's big gala and, uh, you know, a, a great men's retreat at St. Mel's. And they don't necessarily conflict with each other, but they're, they're you know, there's so many wonderful events going on. Well, isn't that a great thing, actually? Yeah. It shows the vitality of the church. And I suppose we're big enough as a church and many people, so many people in it that uh, you can get a good crowd for this or that. That's even true. Even though they might be on the same event and, People probably have to make a choice or two, but uh, and then of course the retreat thing will be special. But certainly that 50th anniversary of the Life Center is, uh, you know, given all that we're dealing with now and Proposition One and all that sort of stuff, uh, that um, that's a, a real uh, tonic of a, an event to have uh, two days before the three days before the election, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I, I, it's it's. I just never thought I would see something like Prop 1 on a ballot. I just really didn't think I would. And, um, of course, we don't, you know, here on the Bishop's Hour, and, and I know the church, we don't we don't take uh, sides on candidates, and uh, but we sure do on issues. And this, one, this one's such a critical issue. And I really respect the work of the California Catholic Conference on this. They've, they've put out some really really good stuff, some really compelling stuff. And I, I don't think that there's, even in California, I don't, I don't think there are very many people in favor of enshrining even late-term abortion into the, into the California state constitution. But I, I, I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. You're either, are you for keeping abortion legal or are you against keeping it? That, that seems to be the way the breakdown, you know, and, and nobody gets into the nuance of, of prop one, what prop one really stands for. And, and beyond everything else, it's, it's unnecessary. It's unreasonable. And I think most Californians, if they really studied what prop one says would vote against it. But, getting people to really study it. And I know the, the, the conference has put out some, some great literature and hopefully everybody reads it um, because I, th I think that it, it would go down to defeat that I know they've put together a pretty good coalition of people that would regard themselves quote unquote as pro-choice and also people that regard themselves as pro-life, a coalition of both groups saying that this is not good, good, uh, this is not good government. 
Well, you put your finger on it there a minute ago, you know, when you said that uh, the, the danger is that it'll just be uh, a lot of people thinking, well, isn't that just saying that we can keep abortion legal? Well, that's no big deal. We've had it for all these years, and if I'm going to vote for it type thing, uh, without looking, as you say, at the nuances and uh, uh, intricacies of it. And, and then the, the other problem with those things is that um, once they sort of get in, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law, as yep. they say. And, and then also it seems like um, all sorts of stuff comes out of uh, any law uh, uh, there's uh, consequences, unforeseen consequences, uh, and additional derivations from it and so on over a period of time, and uh, it's added on to, and, but it's, the bottom line is it's opened a door that um, then you can pour through uh, later on and, and make a bad situation even worse. And, you know, it's really hard to undo a constitutional amendment. You need another constitutional amendment to undo the constitutional amendment. It's a, it's a high bar. And, and the, the other thing, and I, I think it, it probably affects kids growing up in the society versus some of us who are older, is that something that is legal becomes quote-unquote moral somehow. You know, it's like you drive by a school and it says speed limit, 25 miles an hour, watch for children, you know, and you go, okay, that makes sense. It's 25 miles an hour. I guess that's a good thing because there are children here. So we need to go 25 miles an hour. If, and so it's like, Oh, abortion is, is legal. That must mean it's a good thing. You know, just it's, it's, it's for many people, they equate what's legal with what's moral. And, you grow up with this, and especially in California, you, you uh, anybody who's under 50 years old has grown up with abortion being legal. Mm-hmm. By the way, is there anything, uh, any consideration, or will there be possibility of later on? Sometimes propositions are judged, uh, what we call illegal. Uh, you know, if, uh, I mean, if you had a proposition saying, you know, that, all white-haired people should be not allowed to do right. this out of the other. Right. Well, if that proposition passed, it probably would be fought later on and said, well, you're discriminating against all white-haired people or red-haired people or whatever, you know. And um, so, but that doesn't... Wasn't there something about Proposition 187 or something being ruled unconstitutional or right. some it, it, anyway. The, the, what, what it would have to, especially with a, a constitutional amendment in California, it would have to land somehow at the U.S. Supreme Court that this was, a, you know, a violation of the U.S. Constitution. And most of the people that I've talked to that are kind of in that field of, you know, constitutional law mm-hmm. say that there, there really don't appear to be issues with Prop 1 that they could take to the U.S. Supreme Court um, as, as somehow a violation of the U.S. Constitution. Because, you know, as, as, as we learned in the Dobbs ruling, or I mean, I think we all knew it before, but the Dobbs ruling, which uh, uh, overturned Roe v. Wade, just turned the whole issue back to the states, the whole issue of abortion. It didn't make abortion illegal anywhere. It didn't. Uh, like Mississippi and other states like uh-huh. that have, have Texas have, and many states have passed laws making abortion or either illegal or severely restricting it. Whereas California didn't change anything. So it didn't, it, it all that did was kick said Roe v. Wade is not the law of the land anymore. It's a state's rights issue. Each state can do what they wish with it. So it seems as if Prop 1 probably fits in that category. California is just doing what yeah. it wants to do. Well, and, and so I don't, everybody I talk to doesn't think that there's much of a, a constitutional issue that, that it could get overturned. I mean, yeah, it, so you, you never know. Win, if it does uh, pass, then it's, as you say, going to be very hard to, uh, unless down the road, 
uh, in Northern California as it is, uh, to, to get another constitutional amendment to offset that and to overthrow it. Uh, well, and that can, that, that can happen if, if enough people go, wow, uh, I voted for Prop 1, and I realized that was a big mistake. You know, and we got to get rid of this thing. Uh, well, maybe if some things, uh, like we were saying a minute ago, come out of it, that um, uh, this coalition you were talking about said, well, we told you that bad things were going to come of this. We, you all went off and just uh, didn't think what you were doing, and, and you uh, brought in this thing. But now we're seeing that it's allowing this and this and this and this to happen, and Surely anybody can see that those are not good things. So that proposition uh, allowed all this stuff, extra stuff to happen that nobody foreseen. And now we got to undo that, and the only way to do it is get rid of that crazy proposition. But, again, that's, of course, down the road, and it'll be hard to do. But uh, I suppose the better thing would be, obviously, to uh, not have it uh, voted in uh, oh, on easy, November 8th. Yeah, but, easily uh, the best thing is to not have it voted in and... and you know, as has been discussed, the uh, the the notion that uh, most, if, if you look at the polling in California, and you know it's you know it's suspect, but it's it's usually fairly reliable. If if there was an up or down in the state, should abortion be legal or illegal? Probably the legal side would win in California. You know, mm-hmm. just with you know, should it be illegal with no exceptions of any kind? Probably the other side would win. But when you start breaking it down, uh, do you do you believe abortion should be legal in all instances? Uh, a lot of the people who would be in favor of keeping it legal don't believe it should be legal in all incidences. They don't believe it should be legal past viability, quote-unquote viability. They don't believe it should be legal, you know, till eight months of pregnancy. And so you start breaking it down, and you see what Prop 1 does, which just is just sort of carte blanche at any time. Uh, the numbers aren't, wouldn't be there to, su- to support that. But as, as, we, as we were talking about... I don't think people get that far. They look at it as an up or down on the legality of abortion, and that's about as far as they get. And I know the, the conference and the bishops are trying very hard and they've come out with some, some great uh, material and statements uh, about it that we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, well, I know that Kathleen Domingo, the very director good. of the conference, he's a really a go-getter, and uh, putting out uh, all sorts of good stuff and yep. very confident in regard to if she gets an opportunity uh, to uh, speak on uh, on the issue, uh, the media. And by the way, a couple of weeks ago there in the B, there was an interesting article, uh, an interview with um, Marie Leatherby. Um, yeah, it was written the, by M- Michelle Hennenberger. Yeah, and I was sort of surprised to see it. Melinda, I'm sorry, surprised. Melinda Hennenberger and... Uh, she has just won the Pulitzer Prize prior. Mm. Uh, she won the Pulitzer Prize working for another newspaper and then got hired by the Bee. And she did a, she did a superb job. I actually sent her a note saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I remember uh, talking to Marie prior to that, prior to the, the, it taking place, and saying, you know, you, you guys... You, the smartest thing you can do is is open your doors and invite those people in and show them what you do. And I challenge anybody to to tell me what's wrong with giving uh, a new mother to your supply of diapers. What, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Give me a reason why that's bad, you know. And, and I think uh, uh, Ms. Hindenberger uh, went in there and and – she basically she concluded they're they're providing a service that nobody else does, and it serves uh, a number of people in great need, uh, in in and helps them. And what's what's to complain about here? Well, that's always the thing that uh, there's many things that one would disagree with, but 
particularly that that you know if uh, the state wants to have abortion available for those who want it, but by the same token you should say, but any group that wants to promote life and help uh, women in these situations, as uh, you mentioned, you know, a minute ago, or but help them to keep their baby, well, good for them. I mean, we're, we're, we're making available abortion, but on the other end, we're saying that everybody, who, any place uh, who can help a woman who wants to keep her baby, uh, go for it. Yeah, and, it um, seems to me that like would... You would think that there should be allowances and health and, and money and uh, oh, everything sort of facilities available for that type of person, not just the life center, but but even, uh, uh, you know, uh, government uh, helping to provide such centers. Say, okay, so go for abortion if you want it, but if you don't, there's all sorts of ways to help you to have your child and so on, and uh, whether it's uh, a life center or whether it's, uh, it should be, in my opinion, even like uh, government hospitals or government whatever, uh, that should be uh, making uh, these things available, just like the people who want to have a baby now, you know, like uh, you go to the hospital and have your child and so on, that should be uh, made uh, made easier and easier and uh, every opportunity given to the woman who is in difficult circumstances. You know, they always present that as, oh, the poor woman is having this difficulty and that difficulty and so on. Well, if she is, then all the more need to support life centers that would help her and then even add to that yourselves by by making every means available to the person to uh, uh, be able to keep this child. Yeah, perfect, perfectly Whether said. Whether it's psychological yeah. help or physical help or emotional help or whatever, or spiritual, everything that can help this uh, lady should be done. And also for the, tell her that you're doing a good thing by keeping your baby. You're not doing a bad thing. You're doing a real good thing, actually. Now, if you decide to go off and have an abortion, well, in a way, that's your decision, but... We are going to make every effort to help you to not have to do that, and so that becomes actually a, an unnecessary and unpleasant choice for you because there's so many other things available to you to help you keep your child. It just amazes me that that's not uh, easy to understand. Yeah, you 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 you've hit you've hit it right on the head. Um, I I've always said and felt. Like uh, take uh, say the bishop Geigos maternity home dinner, which which we both oh, attend yes. regularly, yeah. and, and you look at those women there. And I've I've said on the air, I've invited people. I've said if you're pro-choice, and truly mean that, you truly are pro-choice, you should support organizations like this because they are providing. Uh, let's say there are two choices here. You know, you can have the baby or you can have an abortion if you're really pro-choice well then then you should be on uh, encouraging this group it doesn't mean you have to be against making you you know against abortion yeah you that's part of choice um i'm not pro-choice that way and i know you're not but if you're pro-choice and really mean it you should be supporting the life center and you're exactly right it should be more than a private organization uh, the government, I mean, we, we have a daughter who is classified as special needs. And there are so many state-funded, federal-funded, whatever, programs available to help her live her life happily and comfortably and normally. Um, people bending over backwards to try to help her with her disability. And why can't we do that for, like, like you say, people that are in a, a pregnancy that maybe is difficult for them, whether it's financially, emotionally, what it is, why don't we help take those, those reasons away as a society? Why do we leave it to the churches or the, the private organizations to do that? Or indeed, if we would even stay out of the way of... Uh, or just stay out of the way of it. Yeah, instead of, I mean, yeah, I, I saw one... Every effort has been made to sort of uh, blackmail and blackball uh, uh, the, these people, you know, that they're bad people uh, uh, and that things are not good at these facilities and that they're uh, having people come in there under false pretenses. Right. All right. sorts of uh, efforts are made to, uh, uh, you know, make them look 
Well, bad, the state of California, yeah. as you remember, Father, a couple of years ago passed a law saying that that the Sacramento Life Center and other organizations like theirs had to post in their facility mm-hmm. a sign, and they even dictated how big the sign had to be and what font and what letters and everything, uh, how big this, the letters had to be, telling people if they wanted an abortion, here's the phone number and here's the address of a place that will help you get an abortion. It was like telling Burger King they had to put a sign on the wall directing people to McDonald's. You know, it's like, like what free speech goes both ways. It, it, you well, yeah. not only do you have the right to say what you want, you shouldn't be forced to say something you don't want. Of course, that one went to the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court overruled it rightly, and mm-hmm. and and that's not the law now. But that law was actually passed in the state of California, compelling them to put up a message which was completely contrary to the way they feel. I mean, I, have, I, I don't care what the issue is. Every legal scholar should have been against that, period. Well, there's that, and also you think that the other way, it should have worked the other way, that at an abortion location there should be signs, if for any reason Absolutely. you don't want to avail of services here, uh, see this list here. Of all sorts of things along the lines you were saying of the promotion for your daughter of special needs, mm-hmm. there should be all this uh, inf- information uh, flooding the uh, uh, society that says, if you really want to go ahead with the abortion, well, you have the location here, but but if you, for any reason you, you would like to change your mind, yeah. uh, all sorts of things are available to you, not just the Life Center and church organizations, as good as they are, but that there should be... Um, other facilities and right. financing and all that. Uh, so uh, what a crazy uh, mixed-up thing. Yeah, it nobody, is, yeah, nobody, nobody dreamed of telling Planned Parenthood that they would have to uh, post a sign uh, directing people to the Sacramento Life Center. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's it's almost comical to think about it. Uh, nobody nobody proposed that, but they certainly didn't have any problem passing a law going going the other way and. It's you're just absolutely right. Uh, this should be the even in states where abortion is legal, the government should be encouraging people uh, or providing the resources to people who want to go to term. Yeah, if if we have the money to give to, people freedom, yeah. give people uh, you know the option there, as you say, a real choice, uh, and uh, help them because a choice that doesn't give you help is not a choice at all. And of course, you get the abortion free and everything like that, with that, so on, so on. So why not to have uh, the birth uh, be a positive and uh, every offer, every help offered? Uh, yeah, it's a sad situation, uh, Bob, but um, uh, difficult time we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if 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 the state has the money to fly women in from other states where they couldn't get an abortion, and pay for their hotel and their meals and and everything else uh babysitting even etc um if we have money to do that it seems we certainly would have money to support organizations that like the life center etc that would that, that help people um, well, go to turn that could be one of those um, unintended consequences we were talking about a minute ago that will after this if this thing goes through and is in place, will that then uh, embolden or encourage or uh, whatever, uh, you know, the point you're making about flying women in? And, you know, there's money to be made from that, too, in the sense that, you know, you're even running a motel and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, sure. then, or, uh, all sorts of uh, ancillary uh, things going on and, and stuff like that. So that'll be the it be very interesting to see. I don't know where we haven't come up that much yet, but the question of interstate, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's going to be probably hard for to stop a woman going from state A to state B. Well, some states, uh, some states have certainly passed legislation making it illegal uh, to leave the state seeking an abortion. Uh, that will be number one impossible to enforce. Uh, 
and you know the the full faith and credit part of the the constitution which basically things like if you have a driver's license in nevada you can drive your car in california you know um it's going to be or all the way to tennessee or exactly new york city uh, pretty pretty uh, hard to 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 for one state to say well you and i if we if we want to make a a legal bet on a football game, it's illegal in California, but we can drive across the hill to Reno as Californians and place a bet in Reno, and it's not against yeah. the law even in California for us to do that. Yeah, and and so it's going to be real hard for one state to say you can't go to another state. Well, I mean states. Some states, you can't get a drink of alcohol after midnight. Uh, other states, it's 24 hours a day. Well, so one state can't say, well, if you go to Nevada, if you go to Las mm-hmm. Vegas, you can't have a drink of alcohol after midnight because that's the law in our state. It doesn't work that way. Well, well those are all things, I suppose, that will be, uh, unfortunately, when this thing, if this thing gets in place, then we'll see that... Um, because uh, it will be an inconvenience for the person to go from uh, someplace else to California. But on the other hand, uh, they'll everything else, if everything is going to be taken care of, uh, uh, free, gratis, and for nothing, then they'll just put up with the inconvenience and uh, so on. So there are many pieces to that for sure. Uh, but I suppose all we can do is, uh, I know they're having a lot of prayer vigils and Right. Various other uh, things, and uh, uh, the coalition, as you say, are trying everything they can to uh, say the good word and promote the good word and all of that. Um, and, well, of course, one never knows. Like, uh, the polls uh, seem to be, I haven't seen any particular poll on that recently, but it did seem to be, like you were saying, that uh, people are maybe not reading it well or studying it well or just, Say, oh, yeah, that's supposed to keep abortion legal. The Supreme Court said you can't do it. Well, we can do it here, so therefore we'll do it. Uh, if they look at it in that sort of simple way, then it's probably going to get a lot of votes. Uh, but if they were to study it deeper and see the long-term and in-depth uh, consequences of it, then it might be a different story. Well, but, I, think um, the, I think the real problem is is in convincing someone who believes that abortion remain legal is that the Dobbs decision is fresh in everybody's mind, uh, especially someone who's in favor of keeping abortion legal. They see the Dobbs decision and they go, we've got to, we got to hold the line here. Anything that comes up about abortion, we've got to vote this way, you know, and they don't want to get into the nuances of, well, this is actually a really bad law, you know, um, well, we probably face the difficulty that Adlai Stevenson had when he was running mm-hmm. for president. He was in some uh, big talk he gave, and somebody said to him, my gosh, that was so good. You know, you're <laughs> just amazing. Uh, that'll get you the thinking man's vote. Yep. <laughs> and he said, well, if that's all it gets me, <laughs> I'm not going to get this nomination. I'll leave that for the thinking man's vote. So I remember uh, that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in a way, it's hard to get. Uh, you know, uh, people have busy lives, and you know they they read this and read that, and uh, they don't give it as full of much thought as they would like. Uh, we would like them to do, but but again, we have to keep going, and the bishops are doing all they can, and Kathy is uh, Kathleen is doing all she well, can. Well, you know, and Kathleen. Just in the last year or so, they hired uh, Molly Sheehan uh, to be in charge of sort of the pro-life advocacy at, mm-hmm. the, at the conference. And boy, she is between uh, Molly Sheehan and Kathleen Domingo. That is a dynamic duo. Um, yeah. they, uh, and they are they are so well versed in the issue and so mm-hmm. um, dynamic and convincing in their presentation, um, uh, you know. And women, of course, being women and all that, that uh, speaks volumes in itself. And so, um, 
But, of course, uh, regardless of what happens, uh, places like the Life Center and Bishop Gallegos and uh, Yuba Life uh, Center, I know it up here. Uh, oh, uh, Mother Teresa up in Placerville. Oh, of course, and many others. Uh, yep. And uh, so I think you're just going to have to uh, keep at it and at it. And uh, it's like uh, the bishops there uh, when they had some pointers a few weeks ago for pastors preaching and all they talked about uh, uh, slavery and how slavery, mm-hmm. yeah, it took a, a long, 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 long time uh, to get rid of slavery. And in some ways, I suppose slavery is still not totally get rid of around the world. Right. But certainly uh, the idea of uh, proposing slavery now, I mean, you'd just be run out of town if you suggested it. And so, but it took a long time to get to that point, and there were many people who, you know, even maintained that it was economically and every other way necessary um, for society, and it could never be got rid of. So we did get rid of it, and I suppose that's the hope is that, uh, like we're saying way back in our conversation, that people would come to their senses uh, and hold up. What's going on here? What did we do back in uh, 22 uh, when we <laughs> brought in this uh, Proposition 1, you know, five years from now or uh, seven years from now? We do have situations where I think people have uh, uh, <clears throat> rethought the situation, but... Um, in the meantime, I guess we just have to keep uh, promoting the wonderful work of um, the Life Center and that 50th anniversary coming up should be uh, an amazing occasion. Well, uh, yeah, the, 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 it's one thing if uh, if Prop 1 was going to uh, make it illegal to promote life or help people, uh, but our work remains... And it, our work is perfectly legal in this state, and we can continue to do it no matter what the law says. The law doesn't say you have to get an abortion. The law allows you to have a baby, and we can continue to do the, the kind of work that the, the Bishop Gigos and Mother Teresa uh, and the Life Center and uh, the Gabriel Project, and oh boy, you just go on and on. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul. I mean, it's not their their prime goal or whatever, but they certainly help a whole lot of women in need uh, who are pregnant, uh, just just based on the you know their their contact in the community, and it's 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 just uh, our our work remains, and and we can continue to do it, and and thank goodness we live in in a free society that allows us to do that. That nobody nobody. You know, although I, I did I did hear a U.S. senator say the other day that all life centers in this country should be should be banned, I, and I, I was stunned. Mm-hmm. Well, of course that's and that's one of the worrisome things is that you know we've seen this continuing to go down. A wider and worse road mm-hmm. all the time, and so what you think would never happen, like you thought you'd never see this a proposition like this. Right. Well, you know, when that gets in, then somebody says, "Well, well, let's do more. Let's, let's do, do more. more. Let's let's ban the life center. Yeah, let's yeah. let's put it on the ballot. Yeah, because they're annoying us, and uh, yeah. yeah, we don't like so them. So yeah. Uh, so that's the the, the danger that um, one thing leads to another, and but I suppose we'll just have to concentrate now on doing all we can. I know bishops are very anxious to do everything they can, the prayers and meetings and uh, so on. And um, I suppose the only maybe good thing about it would be that there's nothing to make Californians go to the polls this year, like. You know, the governor is in like Flynn, and there's no big. Yeah, there's not. A, there's not any big ticket items on the ballot. Uh, you know, usually it's it isn't the propositions that that bring the people out. It's 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 the politicians. It's you know. And even the, then, the, the propositions. I don't think there's many propositions. Other there's a few like 
the the, no, the, no. the gambling the, things. The, the, the gambling ones are the, the ones that are on TV seem to be almost exclusively the two gambling ones. Uh, I see yeah. endless ads for and against both of them. And Unbelievable. I see it. I can't get away from it at all. And But the thought, the, my thought was maybe that if there's a lesser turnout, uh, we would be inclined to think that, I mean, I, I'm not sure about this, but my thought would be that the people against Proposition 1 are going to be more... More motivated. Probably That's probably true. Yeah. And so if you get a smaller turnout, then maybe... Uh, a percentage, you know, I, I, well, it, it'll still be a long shot, but uh, uh, maybe that's some hope that, uh, as opposed to, you know, if the governor was in a race for his life uh, and he has to get out every Democrat to uh, to save him, then uh, you'd have a big turnout. Uh, but yeah, he didn't need that. Um, I, th- I and, think, the, uh, and I really haven't seen very much. Uh, you know, major media advertising on one, uh, either either way, actually, and oh, that's a good point. That's true now, yeah. Yeah, and it, it seems to me, I know, I know there is this broad coalition of, of you know of people that are intelligent who go, well, this is this is uh, first off, it's unnecessary. Second off, it goes too far. Um, this this is it, we just don't need this. Um, but what, what you really need among that coalition is the people who have bona fide pro-choice credentials to be speaking out. You know, people that that have standing with the pro-choice community saying, hey, this is bad legislation. This is bad uh, yeah. for, for the state. Um, this is not a good thing to put into our Constitution uh, because – from the from if it's a pro-life person saying it, yeah, there's 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 validity to it for sure, but you're you're preaching to the choir more. Whereas, what you have to do is get people who are pro-choice to vote against this. The, the the people that have the most standing with those people are people who are established in the pro-choice community, and there are a lot of them who are part of this coalition. They're the ones that really need to speak out and say, hey, this just isn't good. Well, it's almost a month yet, and uh, well, it you know, it, it we is know. and it isn't though, Father, because the ballots all went well, out on the eleventh of October, and this election in California, every single person will receive a ballot in the mail. They don't have to vote by mail, but they will receive a ballot in the mail. It doesn't mean they're all voting right now, um, and. I, I like to vote in person because, <laughs> especially if I'm voting on a candidate, if you if you vote on October 11 and and vote for him, and then <laughs> on October 18 they do something really outrageous, you go, oh man, why did I vote for that person? I like to wait. I like to wait till the last minute, but and a lot of people will get get the ballot in the mail and it'll sit on the kitchen table or something and maybe they get around to it eventually but people are starting to vote already yeah um, that's true yeah yeah but again i'm sure that the people who uh, are against proposition one uh, are only waiting to get this thing in their hands to yes right uh, right you know to to vote i gotta vote i gotta vote uh, well, and, you see, you know, and they're searching to deliberate probably at the uh, box you know to make sure that it doesn't go on the mail and get lost Uh, well it's one of it's it's interesting um all the things that came out of the last presidential election and all the claims and all the counterclaims and all that is that there is a huge difference in in who votes early and who votes on election day uh in terms Mm -hmm. of which party gets favored by by those things i'm trying to avoid labels but it's, it was it was obvious in almost every state that the the early vote went one way and the the day of vote went another way and yeah and that creates a very uh, you know uh, also the consequences from that in the sense that 
right or wrong, it sort of lends itself to the fact that, uh, I mean, if your people uh, voted for you way ahead and then things are countered, uh, then, uh, and mine don't come in until later, yeah. then sort of the impression is that you had won. Right. And now when you when it evens out and so on and so on, then sort of suggesting that, it was fraud or something, or yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you 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 see, but you you see it on election nights. I mean, ever since I was a kid, my uh, my dad knew I was interested in numbers, so he used to let me stay up and because uh, they would they they all those numbers would be clicking on the screen, and it was oh, yeah. so much fun to watch. And you know, they the somebody would make a comeback, like like they, there was some dignity in making this comeback. They didn't really have any control over it. It was just how they how the votes got counted, but somebody would be behind. And then at two in the morning, the other guy would take the lead, you know, and it was like, it was like a horse race, you know, and, and as a little kid, it was kind of fun to watch it, not knowing the issues involved or what it was about. But in, in truth, you know, the polls close at eight o'clock or whatever time they close in each state. And, and then, whether you have a lead or you're behind has to do with just the order in which they get counted. And some states Different counties come in and all that. Yeah, they will. By the yeah, way, somebody some, said that. Yeah. Uh, somebody said that um, is, uh, they're calling it now. There's going to be not election night, but election week. Yeah. Well, you you can now be with with the the mail in voting or the drop it off. Mm-hmm. You could receive your ballot in Sacramento at your residence, you could take it with you on vacation or a business trip or something, and you could drop it in a county elections drop box in Bakersfield uh-huh. on, on election day. And so uh-huh. it's going to take a while for the people in Kern County to count the ballots that weren't on a Kern County issue and say, okay, uh, Sacramento, Here's here's who voted for mayor in Sacramento. <laughs> How long is it going to take Bakersfield to get the uh, results up to Sacramento? It, it, you're right. It's going to be election week or even or even longer. Mm-hmm. Well, amazing times we're in. Indeed, they are. So, what's the what's the good news, Father? God's still with us. Well, God is still with us. Uh, we just had a recently. Uh, we had a. a almost over four full days of uh, gatherings, which I'm sure people will be interested to hear a little bit about, uh, uh, of study days, as they call them, for priests. Mm-hmm. And I was on the uh, Eucharistic Revival. Yes. And uh, the whole plan that the bishops are putting across nationally and so on. And we had um, an excellent um, uh, speaker and actually uh, someone who is uh, uh, maybe an indicator of, things to come. He was a man called Dr. Jonathan Serralo, mm-hmm. who is a Catholic systematic theologian, an assistant professor at St. Minewood Seminary and School of Theology, and he's um, a layman, married uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, with his wife and four children. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing that a lot in the uh, church today of, uh, of fine people um, who are, uh, you know, very knowledgeable, and so he gave a, a wonderful talk on uh, the, uh, the Eucharistic uh, renewal, revival, and uh, he um, talked about, you know, the importance of understanding the sacraments uh, and the understanding of the meaning of sacrament, which is not easy sometimes for our people to understand. And then uh, we talked about the history of the, the Mass, the history of the Eucharist uh, you know, throughout 2,000 years and how it's been celebrated in uh, uh, various ways and uh, even has had different names and so on. And uh, then, of course, there was lively opportunity for priests to uh, discuss. And, of course, the bishop is there all the time, and he, as you say, as well, and uh, just very good dialogue, uh, uh, and then looking at initial ideas of 
how to uh, promote the Eucharistic Revival here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and uh, there's a special committee that the bishop has uh, set up for that. I don't know if it's been made public yet, uh, the names and so on, but I'm sure it will. And uh, uh, then continuing with that, so uh, many sides to that in the sense of, uh, you know, real understanding of the, the Eucharist, real presence, and uh, so on. So it was a very uh, healthy week, and of course, it's always uh, a great experience for the priests to come together in our far-flung diocese, uh, you know, fellows don't see each other that much, uh, except for occasions like that, or retreats, or ordinations, or some other celebrations we have. Right. But there was a big turnout, and uh, uh, we're on our way to, uh, I think it's June of 24, uh, that's going to be the big event in Indianapolis mm-hmm. to uh, highlight. Uh, but of course, there's no use in going to Indianapolis unless the work is done in right. the local parishes right. and churches and dioceses and so on. That's where uh, the important thing is and how to reach out to our people and invite them to greater understanding and so on. So we're all working on that. Well, I just, I am so. Uh, I don't know what what the word is. Pleased, excited, um, confident uh, in the Eucharistic revival. I'm. I just think, and, and I think it's it's very necessary. Uh, it's it, it, and it's. I like the word revival. I like the world. The word renewal as well. You know, because it's it's certainly a belief that I, I guess most of us grew up with, and um, I think. For for who knows for a variety of reasons, uh, maybe maybe some people it's that belief has faded away from from them in terms of the real presence, but the just the the meaning of the Eucharist, how central the Eucharist is to our faith. It's not just another sacrament. Um, it's you know it's. Everything about the Eucharist. In fact, when in, in the years w- that we've done this program, I frequently will have a guest where I ask them about, especially if they were a convert, you know, about their story. I asked my own mother about her conversion story, and for so many people, they say it was the Eucharist. You know. It, yeah, I also remember a wonderful Baptist man who was married to a Catholic woman in a parish where I was, and. We were having some presentation on, well, he wanted to, wanted to join the church, actually, and there was, it wasn't all CIA specifically that particular time, but the, the class that we were doing, but anyway, we were talking about the Eucharist, and somehow he uh, said, well, I, I don't know exactly what you're saying here. My understanding, he said, was not being Catholic, that, you know, the Catholics believe that it was the real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and uh, he said that that's what that's what I'm interested in. That's mm-hmm. the reason why I'm uh, the big reason why I'm moving here on this. Mm-hmm. And so um, he did become a very good Catholic. He's dead now, but he was a very fine man. And so it ties in what you're uh, saying, uh, you know, about the. Um, the meaning of it, and of course, the in one way it's complicated, and in one way it's uh, very simple. Like you know, when you go to uh, mass next Sunday, or whenever you go to mass, uh, you uh, are there, and you hear the scriptures, and you sing with the assembly, and you hear you know all the things that are done, and then consecration, and and then you know, everything until communion, and you march up there and you receive uh, uh, the body of Christ, and uh, you may be the most intellectual, educated person <laughs> in the church. Yep. And on the other hand, the guy next to you uh, already knows how to write his name. Right. But both of you are getting the same Eucharist, and actually both of you will understand it beautifully, and it's, it's possible to understand it as a great intellectual or as, as you say, a humble person who hardly knows... Uh, anything, you know, there's no education, uh, and so on. So that's the, the gift of it is that um, it's, um, 
almost like a, a handshake or a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, you get it or anybody else gets it. You know exactly what's happening if somebody shakes your hand. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they, these guys seem to like me, and he's, he's welcoming me, and he's uh, accepting me, and so on. So I think the same with the, the Eucharist that Jesus gave us, such a simple way, in a way, of, of uh, recognizing him in uh, bread and wine, uh, pretty much things that we're all familiar with, and uh, you can go up there and wherever you are and whoever else goes up um, the line and and uh, just receive this, this gift and so on. And, and uh, depending also on where you're at in your faith, you may experience it a lot more fully than, than the guy next to you or vice versa, but it's there for you, and uh, it's an endless uh, opportunity to connect with God, uh, and you'll be doing this rest of your life, uh, at least every Sunday, and maybe you're lucky enough to be able to go other times as well. Yeah, you know, it, uh, I, I, uh, who knows why? It's, it's, it's strictly the grace of God, of course, but um, I've never had doubts, you know, and, and probably maybe I paid more attention at catechism class on Saturday mornings than I realized I was, but mm-hmm. um, I, I've never had doubts, even as a, you know, as a thinking adult, you know, like, well, okay, yeah, you're, you believed in Santa Claus too, right? But you're, you're an mm-hmm. adult now, and that's impossible that, that this is the body and blood of a man that lived 2,000 years ago. That's impossible. And you're going, well, if God can make the whole universe, <laughs> I, I think he could make that happen as well. Well, when you think of the sun and the moon and the stars and yeah. all these other things that God has made, then uh, everything else is sort of a yeah easy day at the office. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh, he can do all that, but he can't do this? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and you, you can question intellectually or even emotionally, why is it? the body and blood of Christ. Why did God want it to be that way? Um, and that's, you know, that's it, 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 the, the plain fact of the matter is that is the way God wanted it. And that's all I need to know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't need to, I, I may, maybe one guy would be lucky enough to say, so why, why was it this way? You know, why was that necessary? Or why was this your, your, your choice? Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't. I don't need to know God's reasons. It's like it's like people say. Well, how is it to be X number of years old? And I just say, Well, I was born on the very day God wanted me to be born. You know. So mm-hmm. who am I to question God's judgment? <laughs> you know. Like this. This is the day He wanted me to be born. So here I am. So that's uh, some good news there. I think you know. And just uh, I guess we got to keep on keeping on and. Uh, Praying, you know, that God will continue to bless the church, and uh, there's many challenges today, whether it be, uh, you know, on life issues or even faith and uh, challenges of war and Ukraine and uh, Armageddon and all these other things that we'll have to talk about another day. But uh, I think all we can do is uh, keep the good news, the joy of the faith, and that uh, in every age there's difficulties, but uh, not to lose hope and to be strong in Christ, and, and that's, the, that's the good news uh, that I experience anyway every day, and a lot of people are finding that uh, as a beautiful blessing in their life from God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well said, Father. I mean, we are a faith of hope, you know. That's 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 who we are. We're not. It's like, oh well, it's doom and gloom has gotten so bad. God's just going to leave the building, and and we're going to be left to our own devices. That's that's not our faith. That's uh, not at all. No. And sometimes, you know, when things are not going that great, then God maybe has a a new plan. That's right. That's <laughs> the right. same old plan, but always it is sort of different manifestation of it. As you know, that God is always with the church and with His people, and uh, His. Uh, Love is everlasting, as the scripture says. Indeed, this is the church that Jesus Christ founded. God's God's not going to abandon it. Father, we're flat out of time. Always a joy to talk with you. Thanks, thanks so much uh, for all your insights and for all you do. And we'll look forward to our paths crossing at the next event. <laughs> oh yes, I think there's uh, some coming up, and 
God bless you, uh, Bob, for all you're doing in evangelization here and all of our people. And let's pray for the election and so on and uh, go from there and be strong in the Eucharist and uh, with God's help, we'll be okay. Amen. Thanks, Father. God bless. God bless you, too. That's Father Michael Karen. And that's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Sacrifice not joined with my life. I sing in vain tonight. 